Welcome to the Beltway Broadcast, the premier podcast for the workplace learning and talent development professionals of the Association for Talent Development's Metro DC chapter. We've got some great resources in store for you today. Hello, fellow ATDers. I'm Christina Eanes, the 2022 Vice President of Marketing and Communications for the Metro DC chapter of the Association for Talent Development. And I'm Leticia Niago, the president-elect. We also have Helena Hodges, vice president of finance and operations, as our producer. For this episode, we are interviewing one of our own Pod Squad members, Stephanie Hubka, and her co-presenter in today's topic, using Mr. Rogers' philosophy of kindness to boost your training sessions, Allison French. Welcome, Stephanie and Allison. Thanks, Chris. Thank you. Well, before we jump into our topic, let's have each of you spend, well, let's say one minute to 90 seconds to share what our listeners need to know about you. Give us the scoop, as they say. <laughs> so let's start with Allison. Of course, because my, my name comes first alphabetically, so I get to always get to go first. <laughs> but I'm, I'm happy to kick things off. Hi, everyone. I'm Allison Torillo French, and I am the managing director of Alto Solutions, LLC here in the greater DC area. I live in uh, Vienna, Virginia, and I had started this company back in 2014 after being with Big Four Consulting for, for many years to really be able to do the work that I love and to really make more intimate connections with people, which is something that is probably, if you need to know one thing about me, that's what you need to know. I am a connector. I do it in so many different parts of my life. Um, I do it as part of my work. I do it as part of a, a networking group that I started. I do it with you know things that my children are involved in and, and things in the music community, um, which you might gather from my company name, Alto. Um, I am also a musician. Um, so I am also a little bit of a uh, brain science nerd. Um, this has sort of happened over the last few years um, as I've really honed some of the workshops that I've created and some of the coaching and consulting and facilitation approaches that I've put together. And I really started getting involved in, in neuroscience and neuroleadership. And I'm not scientific or technical in any way. You know, hello, MBA and communications major. But I love learning about how our brains affect what we do and how we interact with, with other folks. And whether that's personal, professional, it really doesn't even matter. Um, so that's something that I've really been able to incorporate into pretty much all the work that I do. Um, and, I, and I love it. And it's something that you'll see a lot of in the, uh, the workshop Stephanie and I do based on Mr. Rogers. Uh, you'll hear a lot of my uh, my neuroscience geekiness as, uh, as we present uh, in those workshops. Oh, Stephanie. Well, first of all, it feels very strange to not be introducing myself as Stephanie Hupka, <laughs> a chapter past president and a member of the pod squad here at the Metro DC ATD chapter. But uh, today I will start off with a different introduction. I am the managing partner at Protos Learning which is a talent development consulting firm based here in the D.C. area. A lot of the work that I do is in training strategy and working with organizations to integrate talent development solutions into their organizational goals. But I really kind of work in a lot of different areas, e-learning development and deployment, learning technology, needs assessment and evaluation. I started Protos back in 2017 with the idea that 
owning my own consulting firm would allow me to have all the fun. If there's a fun project out there, I want to be part of it. And that has really been what the last five years of my life have been about. And when not working on Protoss Learning Projects, I spend a lot of time volunteering with ATD. A lot of my work is with the chapter. So I've been on the board of directors on and off for the better part of a decade at this point, which is a very long time, but a very rewarding time. And I am also a national advisor for chapters. So I have an opportunity to work with chapter leaders from across the country to help them to build great experiences for them for their membership, just like we do here at Metro DC ATD. Oh, well, and I would love to start by saying, isn't it a beautiful day in the neighborhood? <laughs> yes, you may start there somewhere. Completely agree. Completely agree. <laughs> now, it was really hard not to sing that, by the uh, you way. Can sit, go ahead. I know. You can sing it. <laughs> we won't judge. <laughs> Maybe at the end. <laughs> There we go. Just a little bit. Oh, Sing along at the end, do right? Like, yeah, at the end, we'll do a little chorus. I don't know. <laughs> so many <laughs> of us know Mr. Rogers as the host of a children's TV show. Many of us grew up watching Mr. Rogers. Uh, tell us a little bit about how you found a way to connect lessons he shared with kids to talent development professionals that are nav- issues that they're navigating today. Now, Stephanie, we'll start with you on your thoughts on this one. Sure. And really, to answer this, I think we have to go all the way back, a couple of years back at least, to a conversation that Allison and and I were having and really kind of stemming from talking about how the world could really stand to be a little bit kinder most of the time, especially as far as work is concerned. So one of the interesting things that came out of that conversation is that we were both very coincidentally thinking about how what we learned as children should really have a bigger role in the workplaces that we're in today. And, you know, kind of thinking about kindness in general, kids learn about kindness in many, many different ways. Maybe their parents are great role models, family members, teachers. I mean, the list can go on and on. But Chris, as you mentioned, for multiple generations who are currently in the workforce today, the one teacher that we had in common was Fred Rogers. So many listeners probably know Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood. And just in case you don't, uh, Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood debuted in 1968, and it ran for 31 seasons. That's more than 30 years. So many of us grew up learning from him. A lot of people actually consider him to be one of our very first virtual teachers. And when you think about what we learned from the show, it's really kind of brimming with just tons and tons of valuable lessons. It's be kind to your neighbors and talk about things that are difficult. Uh, His big one, many of you probably remember, is I like you just the way you are. I mean, that was a huge one for so many of us. So Allison and I were kind of realizing through our conversations that those lessons really never stopped being important. And in fact, they're probably more important today than they ever have before. And that kind of led us to realize that it's, you know, kind of through Mr. Rogers' work that there are some answers. And we also realized both of us were kind of doing a little bit of bit of independent research on this. We had these ideas that there might be opportunities for, you know, workshops or things like that. And ultimately, the concept became a session that we did at the ATD virtual conference in 2020 called Won't You Be My Trainer? And then that sort of morphed 
morphed into Won't You Be My Manager? And we have a few other projects and ideas that are out there. But, you know, really for talent development professionals, you know, this is a very human centered business. Our learners face all kinds of challenges at their desks. And, you know, really, even once they get away from them. And for all of us, Mr. Rogers really taught us about what it means to treat others well. And these, of course, are lessons that really stemmed from what we picked up as kids. Oh, yeah. I love the alignment. And so, uh, so timely with what's been going on the last few years. And, you know, what's interesting, yeah, you know, what's interesting, too, about the last few years is, you know, Stephanie and I have been talking about this for a while. And, and I mean, I yeah. vividly remember the conversation where we both had that aha moment of Mr. Rogers. And we'd both been thinking about it. And I, I remember where I was. I was, you know, I was driving on my way to Annapolis for something. And, and I just, we were, we, I spent, I think we spent the whole car ride, you know, you were wherever you were, Stephanie, and I was on the phone in my car and we were talking. <laughs> oh, and Well was, over yeah, an hour. I mean, and, and, you know, I kind of floated this idea and there was just, you know, silence for a minute. And Stephanie's like, you're kidding because <laughs> this is the same thing I'm thinking about. And we're like, well, this is, Aww. this is, you know, match made in heaven. We have to do this. See, we have to That's do this. And, you know, when, of course we submitted it, um, what, Actually, we submitted it first to what we thought was going to be, you know, in person. I think that was supposed to be in Denver mm -hmm. for the 2020 conference. And then COVID happened. And, you know, we had to really rejigger what we were going to do. We had this whole thing planned with interactive activities and all this fun stuff. You know, Mr. Rogers <laughs> loves to play and to be creative. So we were we were really embracing that. And then, of course... Uh, you know, that got canceled and we got moved into the virtual conference. So we said, all right, all right, we just have to be creative. We have to think about a way to do this yeah. differently. Um, and, and one of the things I think we realized in, in some ways, the timing actually, at first, we, you know, at first we were like, oh, this stinks, you know, but then we realized how <laughs> fortuitous, how serendipitous really it was because Mr. Rogers was really... America's first really successful virtual teacher. I mean, he taught all of these children and their parents over TV for many, many years. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we were in this position now where everything was, you know, maybe shifting virtual. We weren't really sure. We were in the state of limbo. This is, you know, early to mid 2020, getting into the summer there. Slight realization now that maybe this is going to last longer, and it's morphed into this wonderful thing where we we have yet to do this in person. Although we have an entire curriculum for in person developed, which is great. <laughs> so true. Um, but we've done all these great <laughs> virtual workshops. You know, everything from a hour to ninety minutes. Uh, sometimes, sometimes pre-recorded, sometimes with a live audience where we do activities and breakouts and things like that. Uh, we actually did a four half-day session with a client in Kuwait, the Kuwait Foundation for the Advancement of Sciences, which is sort of like our National Foundation for Sciences here in the United States, um, because they saw us or their, their talent director saw us at the ATD virtual conference. And even though a lot of folks in Kuwait don't even know who Mr. Rogers is, we were able to deliver this really impactful four-day session, again, luckily for half days, which was our, our morning there afternoon. Um, and, and so it just really made this impact that, yeah, we can do things virtually and we can be like Mr. Rogers in how we do those things as trainers um, and as managers as well. I love that. Kindness can, is important in all cultures. Yeah, exactly. exactly. <laughs> Absolutely. One thing that translates well. Yes. 
can you talk to us about, you know, for those of us who design, develop, or deliver training, how do you incorporate some of these lessons into talent development projects? Allison? Well, Letitia, you're just going to have to come to our workshop. Won't you be my trainer? And then you'll learn <laughs> all about it. <laughs> I mean, you know, to, to give you the, the kind of quick summary of it, um, you know, we are very intentional about how we structure this training, the, the won't you be my trainer workshops. Um, and intentionality is a key point um, for any trainer being really intentional. And Mr. Rogers was very, very intentional in everything he did. And, you know, we go into that in a lot greater detail when we have these workshops. But, you know, we we put together these eight key principles that Mr. Rogers followed in in his shows, in his life. And we found that they apply very, very well to those who are both developing and delivering training. And in fact, we have um, uh, four principles that apply specifically to the design of the training and three that apply to the delivery, excuse me, the delivery of the training. And then there's one sort of overarching concept that wraps them all together. So, um, so there's lots of ways to apply some of the things that we talk about, you know, from the kindness and the connections to being intentional, to being organized, to involving that sense of, of wonder and play and creativity. Um, but they do fall into sort of different areas in the training process. You know, some of them go into how we think about our training and how we deliberately and intentionally design our training. And and some of them go into how we deliver it to the audience. I totally agree. I, I'd say, too, one of the things that I think really helps when you're considering how to take kindness as a concept and apply it into training is to keep in mind that it's really about the human beings who are going to be benefiting from the training. And one of the, the ways that we've been able to start to apply some of these different techniques throughout the design and development process is to ask yourself if real human beings can succeed when participating in the kind of training that you're developing. Does it meet them where they are? Is it realistic? Is it going to connect with people? And I'll actually give you an example of a conversation I had with a client not too long ago. We were talking about developing an e-learning course. And one of the things that the client wanted to see in the course were a number of places where people taking the course would have to pause and either answer a question or there'd be checks to confirm that they'd gone through all of the content. And one of the, the conversations we ended up having is, is this really realistic for someone? Does this meet them where they are? And, you know, by extension, does this approach the learning process with the idea of kindness behind it? Is it going to work for somebody who has life happening around them as we all have for the last couple of years? Working from home has not made it very easy for all of us to do our jobs in some ways, easier in others, perhaps. But one of the thoughts behind this in a way, you know, just by example, to be able to insert kindness is to think, would a person really be able to succeed? using the kind of training that you're developing? Does it engage them? Is it encouraging? Is it going to offer them an opportunity really to succeed in the way that you want to in the way that they want to? Uh, so when you're thinking about inserting kindness and what that looks like, sometimes it's as easy as keeping your learner in mind, building something that's really going to benefit them. I love the human-centered approach. It's so essential, yes. you know, and it's something that is such an, an important theme for so many of us. 
But absolutely, you know, that human-centered approach becomes so important. And that's what we learned from Mr. Rogers, right? I mean, that's, you know, that's what he did. He made us all feel special. It's you I like. It's, you know, really reached through that TV screen and made us all feel like we were all special, little little human beings. And what he modeled with his neighbors, too. Yes. Absolutely right. I have such warm fuzzies right now, and I'm guessing people who go through your your workshops do as well. We usually also give them, you know, some fuzzy slippers, a cup of tea. No, I wish. Maybe maybe when we do it, yeah, we do it in person. Maybe we'll uh, do something like that. Yeah. Oh. (laughs) So now, speaking of humans, let's 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 widen our our perspective to to just being to humans, right? How do we incorporate as humans? kindness in our day-to-day work, uh, in our in our homes? How, how do we do that? Yeah, that's a really good question. And I think it really does come back to the idea that putting people first is the very best and most important way that we can incorporate kindness into our work and certainly into the industry as a whole. I mean, we are, we're a very human-centered group of people. One of the reasons, Chris, you probably have the warm fuzzies, in addition to Mr. Rogers, is that a lot of times when we get together as talent development practitioners, that's kind of how it feels. We are actively out there. Our community in general is actively out there trying to support one another. We we want each other to succeed because when we do, we recognize we all do. And when you think about the day-to-day, sometimes a little bit of that warm and fuzziness can start to dissipate a little bit. We often have the temptation to run our teams and our organizations based on what I guess you'd consider to be harder things, goals and objectives and strategies. And it can be really easy to forget that there are people responsible for all of that work. And those people are complex. I mean, they have good days and bad days. They make mistakes. They learn. They have emergencies that come up. And the work that we do and the way we do it is a reflection of all of that. So for talent development professionals, I think the most important call to action we probably could have is to remember that the people are at the center of it. It's the people that we're working with and working for. And I would also say, in addition to that, let your people have fun. Insert a little bit of joy and fun into the work that you do. I mean, the world is so full of deadlines and worries and stress and all of that stuff. I think the more ways that we can find opportunities to insert a little bit of fun into the day, into the work we do, the meetings we have, the conversations we have, I think it can go much further than many of us give it credit for. And sometimes it's those little breaks that people feel are the most kind thing that you can do for a colleague. Yeah, Stephanie, I'm so glad you mentioned this. I actually wanted to know, uh, what would you say is the impact on the organizations that you've worked with, the clients, you know, what's left behind the legacy, so to speak, of this approach? Gosh, that's a really good question. And Allison, I'd love for you to weigh in too, because I think there are a couple of ways to answer it. One is through the colleagues that we've worked with, those who have attended workshops and learned with us. But these are also practices that Allison and I try to bring to all of our client engagements too. And I can tell you from experience, one of the 
best outcomes I've seen is openness. I find that when you bring a certain level of kindness into your engagements, when you encourage people to also, you know, sort of open themselves up, when you're intentional about how you're planning the work that you're doing, and when you're really striving to build good connections with people, not just seeing them as people there to do work, but as people that you're interested in and building a relationship with them is important to you, you find that they bring their whole selves to engagements. And I think for me, what that has done is not only improve the quality of the work that I've been able to do with teams and that I've seen teams be able to do, but I think it's also really made that work that much more meaningful. I think people really feel like they're part of something and that the work that they're doing is very important to them, not just from the work perspective, but because of the people involved. It changes the dynamic. It just, it, it brings a very different level to the kind of work that you and can I think do. there's also a piece of, of trust in there as well, where, you know, it's kind of that, you know, let down your guard. And if everyone's able to let down their guard and be vulnerable, you know, you can build some, some additional trust and, you know, you can do that through some of those, you know, activities where they get a break or they are doing something that is, is more fun um, or just giving them the space that they need. You know, we talk a lot about, listening and you know a lot of times we think we're we think we're listening but we're not really you know we have that internal dialogue that's always going in our heads or that internal monologue i guess that's always going in our heads thinking about not only what we might say next but but also we tend to you know take take things that people are saying and we we try to empathize or sympathize by sort of making it our own. And that's not what people need. They they need to feel like they're heard. Um, and I can think of so many times when, and, and this happens in client meetings, you know, this this happens all the time. It happens in personal life where you know, you're talking to someone and, and they'll say, oh my gosh, yeah, I had that same experience. But, you know, the intent is good, but it's not what helps the, the person who's bringing up the problem. And, you yeah. know, it makes it about, the listener, not about the person who's bringing the problem to the table and wants to just feel heard. And so I find that, you know, the, the best approach really is to actually try to take that step back and, and fully listen and then offer, you know, offer to the other person, you know, I have gone through this. Would you like to hear about it? If they don't want to, then then you shut up and you don't say anything. Or, you know, I have some thoughts. Would you like me to offer some advice? And they may say yes, they may say no, but they need to they need to know that they were heard first, that you really listened to them. And and that's part of what builds trust as well. And when you have a team that trusts each other, um, or or when you have a group of of you know, attendees in your training session who trust you as the trainer, that you're not just gonna come in and spout out a whole bunch of, you know, rhetoric and stand at the podium and just lecture, but when they feel like you're really invested in in their well-being and their learning, you're going to get a lot more attention paid. You're going to get a lot more creativity among the group, a lot more engagement and participation than you otherwise would. So that trust building through all of these different techniques, um, I think, is where you really see the impact. And I know I've, I've used this. This is all so ingrained in me now that you know, even if I'm not doing a, a won't you be my trainer, won't you be my manager, won't you be my team member workshop, it is like, Stephanie, like you said, I mean, it's so just naturally incorporated into what I do with my coaching clients, with when I'm facilitating, uh, when I'm, you know, when I'm consulting, whatever it is that I'm doing, 
these principles are just they're they're ingrained and you know i'm i'm hearing them in my head all the time as i'm talking to clients and leading teams and i'm seeing where some of the problems arise and thinking about ways to help them navigate it based on these principles no i yeah i didn't even think about active listening as a uh, a form of kindness yeah and I, I, I mean, just kindness, you can't go yeah, wrong, exactly. you know, having more of that in the workplace. And I was curious, so we'll definitely include links if people want to know more about the workshops. But are there any other resources uh, on just kindness in general that you'd recommend our listeners you know, check out if they want to learn more about, you know, implementing this in their lives, not just their work? That's a great question. And we actually do have a handful of resources that we can share. There are a number of TED Talks and videos. And I have to tell you, too, a lot of our favorite resources have ended up becoming some of the clips that we've used and that we've watched from Mr. Rogers. And in fact, there's one. I I don't know if this is the greatest resource, but if you're thinking about opportunities to kind of consider how some of this work can have an impact. There's a wonderful segment from a speech that he gave. It was actually at an award. Um, he was accepting an award. And there's a moment where he encourages everybody to silently consider someone who's made a difference in their life. And I, I actually don't give anything away by telling you what the setup is because it's what happens during that moment that I think makes it a phenomenal resource for people to consider. And I think it very much speaks to this kind of concept of the warm fuzzies that keeps coming up for all of us. What it does, and I think honestly why some of these video clips are so valuable if you're thinking about resources or really just modeling what this can look like, there's a, a saying, and I'm going to paraphrase it a little bit, but it's something about how people don't always remember what you say, but they will remember how you make them feel. And there's a reason that Mr. Rogers, when you say his name, you smile a little bit and you remember how he made you feel. Wouldn't it be wonderful if all of us were developing the kinds of training programs, learning opportunities, anything along those lines that people walk away and they remember how they felt while they were there and they carried that back with them to their desks and applied that into their work. So for resources, honestly, I think some of the best ones are these videos where you can watch what it looks like to model this kind of behavior. You experience it. And I think internalizing some of that is a wonderful teacher and a wonderful resource to be able to take with you. There's also a really, yeah, there's also a really good um, Harvard Business Review article that we've we've used before about the power of kindness in the workplace. Um, it might be on our website. I think it's on our resource sheet. It is. Oh, okay. Cool. Yeah, and I was we'll just thinking about too. it. Yeah, we can share that as well. I mean, obviously we didn't write it, but it was it was it came out last spring, I believe. Um so we're kind of, you know, it was like a year into the pandemic and one of the things that they talked about was, you know, with the workplace sort of being transformed as it were, uh with so many more people working remotely and at that point in time not a lot of companies had gone back full-time or, or even part-time in the office, right? So, you know, when you think about being in an office setting, you think about these chance encounters that you have, you know, those water cooler interactions, right? Where you might bump into someone and, you know, just have a fun chat and feel good. Or you might bump into your boss and they might say, you know, hey, that, that, 
you know, presentation you did last week, you know, that was, that made such an impact on our client. And those were happening a lot more frequently in an office setting because people would just be walking around, they'd bump into each other. They'd be like, oh yeah, you know, Chris did this amazing thing. I'm, let me, let me tell her, you know, she's right here. We, <laughs> but it's not as top of mind when we're all virtual and we're all remote. You know, I don't see Chris, I don't see Stephanie unless we deliberately schedule a meeting and turn our cameras on. But there's none of the serendipity that existed, right? When we were in, you know, in person all the time. So this article basically says, you know, what's the what's the solution? It's to practice kindness. It's to be very intentional about how you practice kindness, especially now that we're not all together. How can you do that? How can you make your people feel more valued? Um, you know, if you're a manager, for instance, you know, how do you how do you give them that that reinforcing feedback that ties to impact? But that also kind of boosts those uh, those serotonin levels and makes them feel good. Uh, so you know, how do you do that when you're not together all the time? So that's something I think is is really useful to consider as well. Is employing this idea of just these little kindnesses. If it's a compliment, mm-hmm. if it's a kudos, if it's I don't know, send, sending someone a little you know funny note, or I you know I I, I send people little things all the time just because. I, I like to, but you know, just it makes people feel valued, and we've lost a lot of that when we when we went virtual. Yeah, we certainly did. Thank you for sharing. This is so relatable. I know a lot of our talent development uh, community is really interested in making sure that we are part of the solution. So, thank you for sharing talks about kindness. Now, Stephanie and Allison, at the end of every episode. We like to ask our guests rapid-fire style questions. Each question requires less than 60 seconds to respond. Are you ready? Oh, boy. <laughs> Born ready. This Let's do it. Stephanie's ready. I don't know. I may or may not Stephanie, be ready for this. you have no excuse. I know. Stephanie's been through this, right? I'll, I'll do my best. I have. <laughs> okay. So let's start with Allison. Oh, great. Us- <laughs> you start with Stephanie. <laughs> all right. All right. All right, let me, I'll, I'll, I'm ready. I'm ready. You ready? You need to sip some water first. I'm good. I'm good. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Give us one book that everyone must read and why. One book. I mean, I've got a ton, but the one that immediately comes to mind, because I mentioned before, I'm sort of a neuroscience geek, is Your Brain at Work by David Rock, um, because I think it puts the idea of, you know, what's going on in our brain and how it impacts us personally and professionally into very relatable real life terms. It sets it up as kind of a, a play between, you know, this real life couple and what's going on. So it's very easy to understand the sciency part. And I'll give a quick, quick nod to also Brene Brown's new book, The Atlas of the Heart, because I just finished reading it and it's top of mind. And it really goes into a lot of the emotions we've been talking about. So you get a twofer there. Nice. Stephanie? So the one I've been picking up more often than not lately is TED Talks by Chris Anderson. And it's more than just what is a TED Talk. It's a little bit of the art of public speaking, crafting a story, putting something together people will want to listen to. And as someone who is not a natural public speaker, and I know, I know, I'm this a podcast so co-host. And, yes. But believe it or not, I this has never been a comfort area for me. And mm-hmm. so I have really valued this book as a resource to get comfortable, to help to organize my 
thoughts, to think a little bit about what it's like to craft a message and share it. So I have found that book to be very, very helpful. And who's the author? Chris Anderson. Nice. What is one tool that you cannot live without? And let's start with you, Stephanie. Oh, great. So for me, <laughs> believe it or not, and I, this is new to nobody, OneNote is the tool that I simply cannot live my day without. I keep my entire life in OneNote. I have notebooks for personal, for professional, for volunteering. All of my notes are there. It's searchable. So if I need to find something very quickly, I can. I also really like the fact that it syncs and I can get to my notes on my phone and across different computers, my iPad. I have absolutely found my life is easier because of OneNote. So it's my it's my tool. It's the thing I just, I can't do anything without it. <laughs> Alison? Well, I was going to say coffee and wine, but... Um, <laughs> Wait, can I change my answer? <laughs> but yeah, I'm going to give you quickly two tools that I use, one for professional and one for personal. Um, the professional one that I really have been using a lot lately that I can't, can't do without is called Toggle Track, where I can keep track of the hours I spend because I am juggling, I don't know how many different clients and projects at all times. And it syncs up with my calendar and I'm able to kind of see at a glance how much time I spend. And it's great for when I need to kind of, if I'm, whether I'm doing hourly billing or if I'm looking at a project and wondering, did I charge too much or did I not charge enough? And it really helps me kind of get that under control. So that's really helpful from a professional standpoint. But my personal one, which relates directly back to Mr. Rogers, is called Happy Feed. It's basically a gratitude journal, but it is on my phone and my iPad. And it prompts me every day to just write down two to three things that I'm grateful for. I can add photos if I want. And then it also shows me my happy memories from years past, which sometimes is a real nice little boost when I'm having a terrible day. So that one is uh, one I think is just greatly beneficial for everything. Okay. Ready for our last question. What is the best piece of advice you have ever been given? And let's start with you, Alison, this time. So this one actually comes to me pretty quickly and it goes back to uh, when I was a newly minted consultant and back in my Bearing Point days, when Bearing Point still existed, and I was right out of business school. I'd gone to business school a little bit later, though. So I kind of came out of business school thinking, you know, yep, I've had a, 10 years of experience and I'm I'm ready to go. I've got my MBA. I'm, I'm a hotshot now. And <laughs> I remember working on a very big team um, and just, you know, thinking I, I knew it all, quite honestly, and had a conversation with one of the more senior members of the team. And the advice was simply be coachable. And that stayed with me over the years. I mean, this is going back to like, you know, not to date myself, this is going back to like 2004. Um, and I remember that all through the years because I've used it with others as well. Um, but it's so, it's so important to know that you can always learn something. You know, I'm, I'm a learner, a lifelong learner, and, you know, I, I love being able to learn new things and being open and being coachable and being open to new ideas or seeing a different perspective has really changed, you know, how the way I do things. Um, I don't, know everything. And even now, you know, having run a company for nine years and being, you know, I have 25 years of experience at this point, there's so much I can still learn. And so it's just really stuck with me over the years. Stephanie, what is the best piece of advice you've ever been given? I'm very curious. 
let us know. <laughs> All right. <laughs> well, we're going to go back. Uh, believe it or not, I was probably eight or nine when I got this oh, advice. And it actually... Go back to... Only by a bit, right? <laughs> I, I remember uh, this is right after my dad started a company of his own. And what he told me is work is what you do for other people. And at its face value, I don't know if it really says as much as what I took from it and what he meant by it. He he always approached work and he still approaches work with this idea that work is about what you do to make someone else's day brighter or easier. And what I've really kept in mind, I mean, those words have stayed with me all these years when we have an opportunity to work for someone or work on a project, work as part of a team, it's not just an opportunity to do something for ourselves, to get ourselves in line for that promotion, make ourselves look like a valuable member of the team. It's also about what we can do for other people. And it's a mantra that I've sort of used over time to ask myself, am I doing something that will make someone stay easier? Am I providing somebody with an opportunity to take something off their plate so maybe they can focus on something that they would really like to spend some energy on? And to this day, it is really the thing that has always really remained with me. Work is what you do for other people, but it's really more about what you can do to really change somebody's life, brighten someone's day whether it's big or small, just, you know, what can you be doing for somebody else? I love it. And very on theme. <laughs> and, and as it turns out, you're right. You it know. absolutely is. Absolutely is. <laughs> oh, ladies, we are so happy you joined us today to share your and Mr. Rogers wisdom <laughs> with our listeners. Thank you so much. Oh, it was our pleasure. Yeah, this is an absolute blast. Thank you both for having us on. Yeah. And we're, uh, we're really looking forward to continuing our work on this um, and we'll send out the resources. Um, I, I don't know when this is going live, but we absolutely would love people in the ATD community to come to our open public workshop on May 5th. Um, we're going to offer a discount for um, ATD members. So we would love to see people there in our Won't You Be My Trainer workshop. Oh, and a thank you to my co-host as well. This was a lot of fun and a great reminder that kindness is here to stay. Thank you. Many thanks to our community for listening. Before you go, though, we have a message from our producer, Helena Hodges. We have a lot of great events each month for you to connect with fellow DCATDers. Go to dcatd.org to sign up for one today. Want to network with other chapter members? Join the Metro DC chapter of ATD members on LinkedIn today. 